Greetings, everyone. Welcome to episode 88 of Salt Ships and Scuttlebutt, a World of Warships podcast and an early Christmas special. We're recording earlier to you on Saturday, Eastern US time. Thank you to Captain Green, who had to rush through his dinner to be here. How are you doing, sir? I am good. Uh, like Griefer said, I had to absolutely mosh my way through a uh, nice dinner that I had laid out. But here we are. What'd you have for dinner? I had a nice meatball sandwich. Mm. Um, just absolutely scoffed it down while watching a video about uh, all the stuff going on in the Middle East in terms of shipping. Uh, all the, the Houthi attacks on the cargo ships. That was interesting. Yeah, that look, drone technology's come along a long way, and um, yeah, it's it's interesting part of the world. Mm-hmm. It it is it's very it's very interesting. Yes, naval warfare is not what it once was. Not what no. it once was. I, I I yearn for the days that you know it, it would be like, and two Iowas duking it out in the strait. Now it's just somebody pressing a button and throwing a missile at people. They lied. They lied. I lost its class. I I remember your addiction to that game with sales that you used to rage that you couldn't even get anywhere. You, you had to buy all the DLC <laughs> to get. It used to love having gallons of rum with salty semen below decks. I did. I, I used to kill my semen all the time because um, I would just put myself in a disadvantageous positions. And then... Uh, it sounds like you're with other naval yeah. games and other games. Oh, no, actually, you're pretty good at War Thunder. You, you're much better than me at that game. Yeah, I can do War Thunder. World of, my World of Warship skills have atrophied a little bit, uh, but that's just because I'm, I'm, in, I'm still in the middle of a little bit of a vacation. Yep. But... Uh, yeah. You taking you going anywhere? Like I know you're home for the festive period, but we catch up with friends or um, what are your plans besides, you know, you can't have another friends giving. Can you have a friendsmas? Actually, we we're going to do a new bonks each year cuz there's like 10 of us that's from New England. And by New England, I mean like Massachusetts and maybe catch um, up with your best mate Matt Damon. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely on my list here. But um, you know, we are we we always go out for a, a dinner um, sometime after Christmas. Uh, we'll exchange gifts, and 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 it's always pretty good. That's so pretty cool. That that that's we're gonna be doing that. I might be heading down to Springfield. Might not. I don't know. Uh, right now. And what I've been doing, because I've, I've been home since Wednesday, um, I've been helping out around the house. Uh, yesterday was a little crazy. Um, my brother had a surgery, and I barely slept because I was nervous. And then I carried the dog and everything all day. So, you know, I was running around, had a lot to do. Uh, I, I, I hear your dog gave you a present. Yeah. Do you want me to tell that no, story? No, no, it's okay. No, no. There we go. We'll save your dignity. Thank you. But um, what I've been doing lately is uh, catching up on models and stuff. Oh, cool. Uh, I got a, a Lego set here for Christmas, or uh, for my birthday, which is back in June, which shows you how much free time I've had. It's an Executor Star Destroyer. So that mm -hmm. was incredible to build. And I can't wait. It's sitting on my desk right now, right next to my keyboard, because it's beautiful. I cannot wait to just bash it off have it explode into a billion pieces and then cry for two hours as i have to attempt to stitch it back together 
And you'll be it's like, be fun. you'll be like, no, I'm missing no. two pieces. Yeah, it's gonna be. Yep. Um, it's gonna be horrible. Oh. Um, other other than that, I uh, judge sent me a. Uh, you know what a goat gut is? No, I know what a goat gut is in reality. Unless you're talking about the greatest of all time gut, and I. Okay, so you're you're zero and one on the words there. Uh, I said gun. I don't know if that got. Oh, lost I thought in I thought you said goat gut. No, they. Uh, it's a company that builds small scale replica versions of firearms. But why would you want a replica when can you own the real thing in your in your land of freedom? You can own the real thing. I live in the communist state of Massachusetts, and they won't let me own a lot of firearms. <laughs> but um, I, no, what? he got me a Dragonov, which is a pretty cool little model here, the the Soviet sniper rifle. So it's good. I built that. Um, I have a B twenty nine. I'm working on model wise. Yep. And uh, for those of you who play Warhammer, I am avidly attempting to work through my Tower of Shame. Uh, which is a bunch of Warhammer models that I have bought but have not made. <laughs> oh, it's okay. As you get older and you start working and all that, you get less and less time to play, do your hobbies. I was going to say play with your toys, do your hobbies and so forth. And when, I, I'm not going to say if, but when you have a child or two greeny, you're going to have even less time. Oh, yeah, I have no doubt. But we'll we'll see. That's something for me and the missus to decide at the time. Yes, so that is very true. But we have um, moving on. We've there's a lot to discuss. We we do have a lot. And we, just so you, we're going to preface this at the end that we do have. We're doing a a boat giveaway towards the end. So we have yes. more than a few boats. It's Christmas time. Thank you because know, um the this podcast is a CC channel, so we get. Uh, yearly allocation of things we can give away. So we're going to give those away today. We'll go through that a little bit later. But we do have um, some feedback um, to cover that people have kindly left for us. All right. So I'm going to be very nice. Um, no swearing. Yeah, no swearing. People need to read. I... Put into the description what happened last week with the audio. I still had upwards of 50 people in my DMs about the audio. Um, I, I'm very sorry that, that it happened the way that it did. Uh, for those of you who use OBS, you'll know exactly what happened. Uh, Griefer probably understands exactly what happened. Yes. Um, OBS just swapped audio sources on me. So it used my webcam mic as opposed to my... Hundred and fifty dollar studio quality microphone. And that it, I have it usually does that with right a now. Windows Update. OBS can do those funky things. Yep, I, I restarted the application and it changed that, so that was fun. Um, I'm very sorry about it. I, I ended up listening back to the podcast and it, and it really wasn't all that good audio wise, which was a shame because Sea Lord and I had a very interesting and wonderful discussion. But, um, yeah, the, the audio is all over the place. I'd like to apologize um, ab about that. Sincerely, you know, moving on from the you guys can't read because that was a joke if you didn't understand it. But, um, yeah, hey, it, hey. it's something so, that Some Australians gonna, can't read. 
Yeah, I know. And you guys speak upside down English. That's what I'll do. I'll start whenever I do a podcast description, I'll put it up in upside down English so you can read it <laughs> and you won't feel left out. Um, but yeah, so there, there's that. Um, I have a little bit of something I wanted to discuss that I don't think was on the agenda it, it, that we could kind of slide in here right now. Sure. We like it when Christmas you slide crates. into things. I do. I like sliding. Like a penguin, except I'm overweight. <laughs> the um, that is a mental Christmas image crates. that's going to be hard to remove from my brain. Thank I just you, pictured me like greased up, like Danny DeVito from Sunny in Philadelphia, Did you sliding guys... around in my American swim trunks, just like sliding around like I'm I'm on a, a slip and slide. Yeah, I was going to say, did you guys have slip and slides? Yes, obviously you do. God. The, the the um misspent youth of slip and slides. We had we had uh we had one that was did yours have like a water filled barrier at the end? You, you can you can, out? but do you know what do you know what I used to love about this? It was like um probably about fifteen years ago. Yeah, here you have all those. Um, media likes to drum up things. I'm saying all media is bad, but they were like slip and slides are ruining your kids for life because you're getting them to jump on their backs or their fronts literally on hard ground or concrete with no padding just to slide yeah. down some wet rubber and i'm like hmm. it didn't impact me but i could see how some people probably just stupidly put it somewhere that well, would ruin them well yeah i was just gonna say i don't know if you've seen them on youtube but there's people who will put like slip and slides all the way down like a 30 degree incline hill and then you know shoot cletus into low earth orbit oh, um, off of a stick why don't you do yeah, that in the snow put a slip and slide I mean, in, the in the snow that would be fantastic record it you know you, you know you could be the next i could swear jackass well the problem is it looks really cool it looks very fun and then you see the person hit the water and you hear the smack sound that they make and it's not as cool or as fun as you think it would be. Um, back to circling back to the water barrier thing, we had to put rocks at the bottom of ours, so we like had to stop. Um, because the <laughs> my brother, who was a, a large child at the time, absolutely careened into the bottom barrier there and just destroyed it. So we had to put rocks there to hold the end, p the hold the end of the slip and slide in place. So we had to, you know. Stop Unga before we Bunga, hit the rocks. Rock good. Yeah, rock good crash bear here. <laughs> Please don't tell me your brother now works in the crash test dummies um type of career. No, 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 no. He 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 went to college for business. And now he he's working at a tire company up in New Hampshire, selling tires to uh, logging companies. Hmm. So he's he he's turned around very well from you know sliding into rocks. But then again, you know me me and my siblings, we all played like dodge rock. And stuff. So, if, it's do whatever. if dodge rock is what I think it is, it's literally rocks flying through the air, and you just have to dodge them. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah you hum that. rocks at each other. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we did that too. So, yeah, we're sorry about the audio issues. Um, this week we've done a few tests. Greeny may sound a smidge quieter than me, but we've tried to adjust. But um, the audio is, I think, is pretty good this week. But yeah, circling back to super, uh, not not super containers, Christmas containers. Yes. You have all of the ships out of super containers, right? I do. I am a whale. Ooh. So you didn't, you didn't buy any super containers. 
That's I super did. crates. I keep calling them Christmas crates. Christmas no, I, crates. I do buy Ooh. Christmas crates. I've bought 40 so far because it's a nice source of steel for me. I've got about over about ten to 13,000 steel from it from at the moment. Ooh. I was given a few more crates since we last discussed Christmas crates. I am not that far behind you. I have everything except a Numancia and a Trump. Oh, you got the Almete Growl? Yes, I got the Growl. I got the Carl Johan. I got the Sun Yat Sen, which was horrible. Uh, made me sad. Got the Jaeger. Uh, I got... What else here did I get? I got a... And I think I got a Nottingham. Mm. That's that's my um, improved list so far. And you but, may, um, we, we'll talk about your Kitakami purchase or lack of a little bit later. Yeah, we can do that. Um, so there, there's that. So, you know, it, it's pretty good. Uh, it's nice to, you know, almost be done. I'm, yep. And if I am missing a Numancia from what I've seen, that's okay. And if I'm missing a Trump, once again, from what I've seen, that's okay. I'll, I'll survive. So this Christmas has been overall very good for me. Yep. Yep. No, that's good. Um, we're going to talk about the vampire. There's some feedback to talk about the vampire. So we've added that to our history section, which we'll cover through as well. So thank you for that. But we're going to kick off. There was some big news this week. Um, and it's around the CV and submarine. Not rework, modifications. I won't say rework. I'll say modifications. Now, some of these have been here for five years, especially the CV. First things first, why now? Like submarines is a, a fairly new and it's a year in and it's... Uh, is it player numbers dropping or... Pl not dropping. I still log in, but I don't play like I once did. I don't play for three, four hours over two or three accounts over different servers. I'll play maybe one or two games. And if I even have one game with a sub and two su I mean, two subs and a CV and four DDs, I, I just go. I, I go play something else. It's yeah. not about logging in. It, it's more about do I even play like I once did? And the answer is no. And for me, C CVs are a problem, but CVs are something I can deal with. But we'll go through the CV problems as Wargaming lists them. They've got three problems, apparently. Aircraft carrier plane spotting has too much impact. Now, I would like to say maybe that's not aircraft carrier planes themselves because if you're flying your planes around something to spot, that's you doing that. It's the aircraft fighter spotting that can have a big impact. Mm. Anti-aircraft mechanics and consumable don't feel impactful enough. Well, that's been said since five years ago. Um well, I'm flabbergasted. And rebalancing, yeah, I know. rebalancing spotting and anti-aircraft mechanics while ensuring that aircraft carriers remain viable in battle. Um, that last one's interesting because you're going to have Unicums in a Nakamov that average 200k, then you're going to have people in Nakamov that get 20k, and they're the ones that seem to be playing with their feet. Um, mm. So you can't balance it where they remain viable when you have that much of a skill gap, in my opinion. Now, are these the only issues that we have with CVs in general? Do you think it, these are, like, one of them's spotting, one of them's the poor anti-aircraft and consumable impacts, and re and if they do fix the third one, rebalancing spotting and anti-aircraft and still allowing CVs to have 
some sort of role in a battle are, are they the three problems i the way that i look at cares and and you you hit something that i wanted to circle back to at the beginning there when you said that aircraft carriers are something that you can deal with i think the reason we're seeing this big kind of push right now is Players knew this, but I, I think it's finally sinking in at Wargaming that w- with the combination of two arguably very oppressive classes in the game operating within kind of the same wheelhouse in terms of counterplay, um, the gameplay loop for the other classes is suffering. Oh, massively. Um, like, like you said, you, you know, you can deal with CVs. The, yes, you can to, deal to with CVs, but point, the way... To a point, but they can completely well, grief you. Well, the way I look at it is, right, is, you know, you, you messed up your leg. You know, you need crutches. You need a cane to get around, but, you know, you can still get around. That's kind of what the game is with CVs. CVs were an issue, but you could pray there wasn't a CV on the other team or, you know, pray the CV was poopy. And... You know, you you could play around that. You could get around with that cane. However, if you know, wargaming came around and then with with the submarine update, bashed in the other knee. So now you're just gimped so much more. You have two difficult classes that you have to play into. You have two yep. broken knees. You know, um, I, and I think that that's why we're really getting this push because there there's has been a decrease in players. There has been a vocal outrage from the community um but something i I would like to say quickly and i'm not defending wargaming before somebody gets in my dms and and argues that i'm defending wargaming world of warships world of tanks and war thunder all seem to suffer from a, a very similar issue and that is the 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 communities always seem to get very much and you know players on an individual level and communities seem to get in a they, they seem to be very quick to go from zero to 100 when it comes to implementations and issues. And I understand from a company perspective like Wargaming where, you know, they implement, they change something and, you know, there's a whole bunch of people who, who go out, you know, in outrage and, you know, they'll, they'll rage for a little bit and then eventually it'll die off and then they'll, they'll rage about the next thing. Um, it was like that with arms race and randoms oh this is horrible i had three dds at the beginning of the game run into a cap and die and this is the worst decision they've ever made and it's killing the game <laughs> and then two weeks later those same people like hee hee hoo hoo 30 second you know or 20 second reload yamato you know it, it, there there's a lot of aspects of this community or a lot of players in this community where people just get wound up really quickly so yeah. i can understand why it took a little bit for wargaming to get to this point where they were looking at it and they're like no, this is like actually an issue that the player base is having. Because if, if Wargaming bent the knee immediately to everything the player base complained about, we would not have as stable of a game as we do in terms of core game mechanics and in terms of yes, of I'm going to be cycle. I'm going to say yes and no. Um, that I understand exactly where you're coming from, but some of these CV pain points are five plus years old. Yeah, you no. know. Yeah, coming out now and saying it like the submarines they've had for over a year, it's probably a good time to look at those interactions. But the CVs have been five plus years, you know, 
yeah there's there's no there's no defending that well the the, the only thing that i can come up you're, you're entirely right there's nothing really that i can you know point to and be like ah yes you know this is my Maginot line against you know cv hate but uh the only thing that i can really think of that is any sense of or that is any semblance of a justification for the amount of time that it's taken is the fact that cv numbers have fluctuated greatly they have, um in they terms in terms of they players because you know when the change went through it was three cvs on a team and and that was every game and and now there's been days where i go without seeing a cv yeah, maybe you the know? class is becoming less popular again, like it was in RTS. But we won't yeah. go through that. But uh, but um, you know, the, with with all those loops all over the place, that that could be potentially why it took so long. But I agree with you. This is needed, and I am actually happy that they're going over the two areas where this interaction is so unbalanced. Uh, because you know, we have the aircraft carrier plane spotting has too much impact. Yes, the ability to run around a map and place down bubbles that spot ships is broken. More news at 10. You know, (laughs) especially when you have all of the other ships that are essentially outside of arguably radar in terms of on-demand immediate spotting outside of fistfighting range. There's nothing. You know, it's not like a battleship can't tell its spotter aircraft to go circle over there and spot. Something like that. It's it's purely well let, let, locked into CDs. I I I personally look. I, I would have one further suggestion. Even that you could keep the mechanics because we're going to go through the proposed prototype. But I always mm. thought CV planes like um like ships gun range should have a maximum range of fuel. Like they can't fly over from J ten to A one. If they had a 25 or 30 kilometer radius, that would have been fine. So that would have been their fuel range. And that, that, that could have been fine for me. But, um, and that way you had different CVs with um, longer f- um, flight times or shorter flight times, etc. Um, but their new prototype that they've proposed. Now, this it's a prototype, but th- they've already said that um, whatever comes out of this, it's going to be... Provide, oh, they're going to provide an update by the end of February. I thought it was going to hit live at the end of February. So it's going to be an update by the end of February. Their prototype is travel mode and attacking mode. So two modes. So whilst in traveling mode, CVs cannot spot ships. Um, ships can spot the planes and they can't attack them unless they use a def AA or a fighter consumable. Um, they're talking about adding a special consumable to CVs that will allow them to spot surface ships, etc., but then you go into their normal attacking mode. So this will be, I assume, they will go down to a lower mode where they can do their attacks. All AA from the surface ships will be able to fire at, pl- at the planes at this stage. And now if an aircraft carrier repeatedly strikes the same ship, like, say, with hack torpedo bombers, you know, when you just loop and loop and loop and hit the same one, the ship's mm-hmm. AA strength will get significantly stronger. They don't give a metric. They just say significantly for a period of time. So making it counterproductive for aircraft carriers to keep focusing on the same target. Um, and they're talking about a new counterplay mechanic for surface ships that amount to blinding the carrier. So surface ships will be able to restrict the spotting ability of an aircraft carrier for a period of time. I, I think those are pretty... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I had to cough. Those are pretty big changes. The travel mode where you can't spot is huge because... 
I, I, as I said, I've got no problem with the CV spotting whilst he's in his playing mode because he physically cannot strike or do anything like that other than hover if he does or lose his planes. Like he, having the fight to consumable not spot would be brilliant. Mm. But the attacking changes are, are pretty hard, especially the restrike. If you're just trying to strike a Satsuma with a FDR. You drop your one load, then you hover for 30 seconds, you come in. If his AA is even higher and higher, like, it, it's gimping, it's gimping, um, a sh it's gimping the CV in a way. Because if a ship's pulled off by himself and he's got no cover, he should be farmed. Um, he should die. If he's gone off on the 10 line and he's easy food, he should die for that, you know. That, that's my opinion. So it'll be interesting to see of these proposed changes because I, I don't know. I think that's too big a gimp as they've um, described so far. What do you think? I very much agree that isolated ships going off on their own should um, be farmed because at the end of the day, you are you made the conscientious decision to isolate yourself from your team. You made the conscientious decision to... I in a lot of instances overextend. Yeah, um, it's it's, it's like and, when you see you, a Kremlin going nose into a cap and having a Hindi and two other boats just HE spam him to death. Yeah, like it's, he's, it's he's, the he's, same thing. He's picked to do that by himself. He's going to get farmed. Yeah. Um. The thing that's going to be that's that's very interesting for me is well two things one that that travel mode i don't know if it's going to be it's meant to be quicker so while they're while system, they're in travel well, mode that they will be able to travel at maximum speed so they're meant to move around the map quicker without being able to spot as the offset well no what, what i was what i was getting at is it with this travel mode um is it you're you know you you set a point that your aircraft will go to where they will then exit travel mode or is it like um torpedoes you know where you can swap liberally between the two of them i don't know i think it's going to be that you're in travel mode the minute you launch from your cv and when you want to go into attack mode you press your mouse button and you go into the lower arming thing yeah. and so all they're going to be doing is just changing that i can't imagine that you're going to have maybe they'll do the c in the f maybe they'll go that when you're in f in the higher travel mode you move faster and everything else but when you go to c yeah. that's your normal flight mode spotting and then you go into attack runs from there um so they're yeah. merging subs and cvs together yeah i guess so <laughs> that, 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 those are my um, thoughts there, there isn't too many too much details on how those will be implemented the other thing is they mentioned the only way to intercept um, planes during the traveling phase is defensive fire and fighter. Does this mean we are getting the vaunted fighter consumable rework? I, 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 I'd like to because say this, but who, who honestly if knows? These things, if these things latch like they normally, like, like they currently do, they're not a threat. No, because even if you've got a full squad of 12 planes, sometimes you latch with a fighter, it shoots down one, then it, then it rotates back to your plane and lands, and you've got to wait the three-minute cooldown or 60 seconds. And or it so just doesn't latch. Yeah. Mm. So 
We will see. We, uh, this would give them a good chance to rework the Def AA and fight a consumable modes. I, I do think that it's good that they're giving Defa something to separate it from just the cool tracer button. You know, when it comes to AA. Well, um, we, I need to know the numbers. Does Will the Def AA fire and fight a consumable do more damage to planes in travel mode? If they move faster, as you said, you can launch a fighter and the CV's already out of... It, it takes about yeah. 20 seconds for that fighter to go up and patrol. And the CV could already be out of your patrol radius. So um, Def AA is interesting. Um, will it do more damage in travel mode because they're not expecting to have a um, Def AA there type of thing? So th there are still questions. So Look, I give them kudos. It's been five years, but they're, they're finally looking at doing something. They've announced spotting changes two years ago. You and I have talked about this as well, mm -hmm. and it never came about, but... If they don't fix it soon, they, they're going to, it's, you know, people won't play. The thing about this that is giving me hope, and I am hopeful for this. I don't want, I, I know a lot of times when I, when I come on here, it's me going, bah, rum, bug, piss, boo, rah. You know, I, I hate this. I don't think they're going to do it. The, the reason why I'm hopeful, and I think that we're going to get a very good change out of this, if it comes to fruition, is the fact that they are highlighting the two aspects that are arguably the most painful when it comes to interactions between ships and CVs. And that's the spotting, and that is ships interacting with the plane. Yes. Um, and, and I think that it's really good. I On paper, what I've read so far, it looks like we're going to get some healthy interactions between the two between the the sky people and the mud people as we call them in war thunder um but you know the the, the people on the on the surface and then the the, the aircraft um uh, but like you said it's it's gonna we're gonna need a little bit more specifics to definitively say anything because again is the defa gonna do more damage like you said these planes are gonna be moving faster especially if it's something like a nakamov where the planes just haul you know is it gonna be something you know, like I said, the, the fighters are going to latch. If it's just a more carrier-oriented change and we don't get some changes on DEFA, uh, AA, fighter, stuff like that, I'm not... I don't think it's going to be as good as it looks right now. But if yep. we get the changes that they're saying, I, I, I think it's going to be good. I'm, I'm hoping as well that with this news that that they're actually going to implement something no matter what because mm -hmm. they've said they're going to give an update to this by the end of February. So that gives them halfway through December, so that gives them about 12 weeks. Now, it's it's festive shutdown here in Australia. Most people take two to three weeks, sometimes four weeks off over this period. So um, unless they've got already things deep in the works and it's pretty much they're, they're sure that's going to work properly, it's... It's not a lot of time to then... Well, I, I don't want to have an update in February. Oh, we're still looking, mixed results. Another update at the end of May, come May. Oh, it didn't work, so you can now have to live with the CVs as they are for another four years before we re-look at it. Well, one thing that I will say when it comes to interacting with Wargaming and then publishing articles like this is the fact that more often than not, when an article of this caliber with this kind of, you know, this kind of planning level document in, in mm -hmm. terms of where it is along the, the, the path of the product 
um, it's usually they're usually putting it out because they're already past this point. You know, I, whenever I, they, I agree, but it's not the yeah. first time they've mentioned they're reworking CV spotting, and then it just goes into a black hole, never to be mentioned again. So, I, I agree. Don't I'm, don't I'm just, don't give us a carrot for hope, and then yank it away just because you want people to. Yeah, that that will annoy me more. That, that I definitely see that, and and I I think that that is incredibly on the nose, or, or very very succinct. That's right on you know where you want to be, because if you put out an article like this, an article like this by itself is not going to bring it's, players it's, back it's, to it's the not, game. It's not holding to anything other than they, it's they've not, got a prototype. They're going to test but, it and wait and see. But if if this comes out to some capacity, I think that we will see a, a resurgence in the number of players. Because the the whenever I talk to people who stopped playing this game, um, you know, I, I have some friends in real life that I work with. I have some friends here that have stopped playing the game. It's always one of two things. Um, it, it's either subs or CVs, yep. or it, it, it's some form of gripe against monetization within the game um yeah that, that, that last one can is, be ignored like to be honest oh yeah no 100 percent. but I'm, that's why i'm just money. saying it, it's yeah. really one of those two things that i i hear gripes about and and why players leave the game you know no i, I don't think i've ever heard somebody be like oh yeah well destiny came out so i'm gonna go play destiny and i drop wows mm. wows has a way of pulling people back in however people can and, and will drop the game cold turkey and um, like I said, a lot of the reason circles back to the interaction between aircraft carriers and surface ships and subs and surface ships. But this is a good step in the right direction, I think, in terms of mending that interaction. Well, let, let's move on to the next one. Submarine <laughs> problems. So, so submarines have been out for just officially over a year last november they came out in 2022 as an early access and to no fanfare from uh, maybe what i would say most people other than the silent majority um oh, who, who seem to be leaving in droves but you know um, so the upcoming changes are meant to address the following problems the situation where current mechanics allow submarines to perform successful shotgunning of enemy ships now if you don't know what shotgunning is they even tell you shotgunning is when a submarine surfaces in close range to enemy surface ships and launches a devastating salvo of torpedoes that are very difficult to evade now correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure i won't name names but i'm pretty sure that apparently that didn't happen very often mm. Mm. that was something that um was over reported i believe is, is what was said Hmm. Okay, overreported, but it's it's a problem. It's a problem. Um, mm. Lack of consistent and understandable. Now, we'll go. I'll come back to this. Understandable interactions between submarine and surface ship, and this is, in particular, this is lack of additional ways for both sides to counter each other. So, so, so first, first, first. So, a lack of understandable interactions between sub and surface ship. Now. As as um, people that understand the game, yeah, we could make videos, we could explain it on podcasts, how to interact and so forth, but every sub, every surface ship is different. The rules are never going to be the same with the tools that you have. Now, understanding interactions is something 
the developer should be able to convey not not that you work it out by pushing your head through a glass window a thousand times there uh, i i agree something that i think is really good that is done recently uh we're, we're going to circle back to war thunder here um war thunder recently put out a whole bunch of new aircraft with guided munitions um so a lot of players did not know the button combinations or how these guided munitions work because yep. it's it's not you know just press space bar bomb tracks target you know you have to designate a target you have to lock the target you have to drop the munition you know there, there's a whole bunch of different stuff that you have uh, to that do. sounds like the flight so, simulators i used to play when i was a kid yeah it, it's that, that level of war thunder is kissing right on the edge of micro of uh dcs where you know it takes 15 minutes to start up a phantom and if you press the wrong button in the wrong sequential order the whole engine flames out and then you have to restart but they imp- recently implemented short hand tutorials for launching a- a- those types of munitions it-, it would stop it would explain you know it would pause the kind of gameplay. It would be like, this is what you're doing. These are the buttons you need to hit. This is how it works. Now do it. Yep. I think that something like that would be incredibly impactful um, for for ships interacting with submarines because you, you hit the nail on the head there. There are a whole slew of different engagement parameters for a whole slew of different ships. You know, Oh, if you're a heavy cruiser, just launch your ASW at it. But oh, like, my ASW is a shorter range, or I'm Dutch, I don't have ASW. Yeah, and we, you we, know, we, there's a we, lot of different stuff. We even talked about consumable management a few podcasts ago where I've seen people within 30 seconds launching their radar or hydro. That could, that could be a best yes. bet with dealing with the sub, but they use their tools so often. Like that, That's just general understanding of the game. Um, and sometimes you can't teach these people. So I don't know how they're going to fix a lack of understandable interaction. They say between submarine and surface ship, but there are some, there are bad submarine players as well. Like Green and I were streaming co-streaming yesterday, and um, we had a game with two subs, and our sub just went into an enemy ships of four of them, and like threw his life away. And one of their subs just stayed in front of his ships and pinged and torped. And mm-hmm. what what can you do about? It's very hard to interact with someone that understands those mechanics, and it, it's the same with a CV or a DD. When you've got someone that's good at the class and understands their zone of control, their spotting, their threats, where they can do torp strikes, you, you it's can't counter it. Yeah, you can't, those people. Yeah, it's hard to play against a Unicom DD when you, when when yours just likes to go point blank and try and torp rush a BB and dies in the process you know he's got a plan it doesn't work but compared to the other dd it it looked like he completely threw his boat away yeah so uh, i don't know how they're going to fix the the consistent and understandable interactions between sub and surface ships um but i do like the lack of additional ways for both sides to counter each other because th- th- there is no both sides submarines have periscopes they've got the consumable that shows the ship so if i'm a surface dd and the submarine's using that hydrophone i don't even know that he's doing if i'm hydroed or radar i get the icon but if, if the submarine's doing it i have no effing idea that i'm even detected no yeah uh, you don't have 
the 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 sub gets all of these skills that it can use to both detect surface ships and learn when it's detected. Heck, there's a captain skill Correct. that lets you know Correct. when you are in range of, of enemy a hydro. ship with hydro. Correct. Not if the hydro is running, Just if you're in, in the hydro envelope. That 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 is broken because even if the hydro is not that? like imagine being a, in the wolf pack. Oh, captain, we're at forty five meters and we send six kilometers off the starboard. There's a USDD that potentially has hydro that's not running. Yeah. Yeah, and you're sitting there. It's like, oh, are they running it? No, no, they just they could be. What do you? What? <laughs> and, and again, there's no ship equivalent. There's no surface ship equivalent. And and people can argue RPF, you know, um, which I've seen because I've, I've had this discussion. I even went on Reddit oh. because th- this was this this topic interested me so much. Big mistake, um, but <laughs> I, I went on Reddit. And yeah, they, there were people who were like, well, you know, this is essentially just sub RPF. And I was like, that is really not the same thing because no. RPF is an indicator of the closest enemy ship. It's, 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 it's also called radio direction finding, not position direction. So it was a skill yeah. in the Second World War where um, servicemen and women were able to plot a direction that the a radio signal originated, originated from. So you'd only have the line of axis. So yeah. to really pinpoint, if you had th- two or three different RDFs, you'd be able to pinpoint where that signal's coming from. Um, yeah. But like a submarine at deep depth having RDF is just rubbish. Um, and yeah, knowing immediately how, if it can be spotted, not when it's spotted, if it has the potential of being spotted is insane. It is, but look, they, they may change it because at the same time, they, they want to maintain the current level of combat effectiveness of submarines in battle, which which they plan to achieve through a series of balance changes as well as updating commander skills, upgrades, and signals. So they, don't, they won't explain what that is, but that, that will be interesting. Now, these changes are coming around pretty quick. They're coming around in 13.1, 13.2. So that's the February patch in 2024 and yes. the March patch. So that, that is a month and a half away. So... Um, they've had these in the works for a while. Now, some of these may not be the interactions. Look, some of the upcoming changes in 13.1 is basically um, something that we've all bitched about for a while, but Italian and German cruisers like Venezia Hindenburg will get plane-based ASW instead of roll-offs. I never understood. Their generic rule was heavy cruisers other than the Dutch got um, plane ASW. So it's good to see that. Um, Leon Ohotnik will get some depth charges. They're talking about some cruiser branches will receive the submarine surveillance consumable. Um, we're planning to add this to the Commonwealth cruiser line as well as Italian and Japanese cruisers. I don't know why they're not on the US one. Um, um, thank God they haven't added to the Soviet ones because usually Soviet get everything as well. So that, mm-hmm. um, and they've changed, they're planning to change the mechanics of the hydrophone consumable. It's intended for a more defensive than offensive use, so we want to limit its functionality to highlight ships only momentarily on the minimap now in a certain radius so they won't ping up in the game, like on the sh- sh- uh, screen showing where there's a ghost image of where they're going. Um, so those 
they can update combat signals and some other things and audio visual so if you're within two kilometers of an enemy sub underwater and you can't see them it's still going to give you that that you're about to ram someone thing are the are these enough changes like it, it's the submarine surveillance consumables interesting now putting on to the venezia venezia can be a very strong offensive ship and can push in because it's got the smoke exhaust it's got a trolley armor scheme but the zao the Yodo, Commonwealth Cruisers, so you're going to potentially have a Brisbane and the new one coming out, uh, the Cerberus. These are going to be very weak ships. Pushing them in to engage with a submarine, uh, sub, sub, unless it's like 6 or 7Ks, if it's like that 2K proxy when they've gone deep, it's going to be, I, I hope it's something stronger. That, that That's a wait and see moment. Um, but they're, they're on the the tankiest of cruisers to deal with submarines mm. potentially what do you think sir of these upcoming changes in 13.1 i uh, i think that it's i think that it's going to be good um the unification of asw is something that has always confounded me in terms of like mentally justifying it you know because yes. if you're going to implement a ship class and then actively and intentionally gimp some surface vessels from interacting with said class. But have this, you know, the, the submarines just be very, very game impactful. It, it never really made all that much sense to me. Um, yep. and, and certain cruisers and certain ships getting... Um, you know, uh, what's it called? Getting depth charges, which are launched from planes versus from ships. Stuff like that was always very interesting to me as well. Because, um, you know, uh, I, you know, um, the, the, I, <laughs> heavy, heavy cruisers having ship asw like launched from a ship from launchers not from aircraft is something that is not arguably usable um because at the end of the day when you have ship-based asw it requires you to expose yourself very much it, it like horrendously so i'm talking like wearing a jester outfit during world war one in terms of like exposing yourself as camouflage you are putting yourself out there um and unlike you know something like a dd something e even even like a light cruiser you know um a heavy cruiser putting itself into that situation can and will eat a bunch of unnecessary damage and, and putting so much uh, of an inherent risk on interacting once again with something that can interact with you from 10, 10, 12, 13, 14 kilometers away is mm. incredibly one-sided. Um, Especially some of these subs, like I, I've engaged subs, even with a cruiser who's at tier 10, who's ASW's AK. If the sub can ping and fire torps at 10 K, they're going to stay at that range and ping mercilessly. Yeah. You can't What's touch the incentive to push in? 
Correct. If, if you are that sub, what is your incentive to push and engage? There, there oh, is, I can have less travel time on my on my torps. Mm. That's cool. I fire homing missiles essentially. But that is something I, I that understands understands their vessel in the submarine how it interacts. They're careful. Submarines, you just can't press W. You, you've got to be careful with it sometimes. Yeah, the the only one I'd argue that benefits from pushing, um, in and 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 getting closer is, I'd say British. I'd say um, British subs. But that is due to the absolutely abysmal torpedo speed that yeah, these vessels have. British subs, uh, I, 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 you don't see many of them. No, Russian, you don't. You don't. You don't. You see Gaidos, Balaos, um, you see the, the Soviets, the, the Japanese. Not Japanese when when you're launching torpedoes that are slower than black torps mm -hmm. and can be outran by destroyers and cruisers, you have to press in. Because if somebody turns out, or if somebody turns left, or if somebody turns right, your torpedoes are going to have to run for a very long time to connect with those ships. Yep. And it's not like the modern day when it's a Mark 48, you know? Yeah, it only does 50 knots, and ships do, you know, 32, 33, 34. But guess what? That Mark 48 is going to run for 40 miles, and you're going to have to, you're going to have to deal with it, or right. it will eventually catch you. Um. But in like a U-4501, I have 10-kilometer, 80-knot torpedoes that reloads and, and 60 two, seconds. And two racks in the rear, so you can just run yeah. away. Where, where is where's my incentive to go any, to get closer to anybody than like maybe eight kilometers? Yep. Look, it's interesting, but I think with the submarine changes that they've proposed, they're smaller than the CV ones, and that's why we're getting in mm. 13 13 There's going to be lots of tweaking. Um, I, I'm actually excited. If if these can be worked out well, you still get the frustration where you get a 12v12 random game and there's no Venezia, Zao, or Yodo. And I wonder if they're putting on the Zao and the Yodo to make it more playable, but some players just get deleted in those boats because people sit broadside. Um so it's interesting. I'll, I'll see how these changes going. They've said they don't want to add that submarine surveillance consumable to every cruise or only select ones. So, but the ones that they—that's interesting to me because again, having limiting the ability of surface ships to interact with subs is only going to. I'm actually surprised they're not on DDs, some of them initially. Me too. Because they say more they, branches might receive this consumable, but our goal is not to provide this to all cruisers. Similar so to surveillance the, radar and hydro. The, 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 the way that I'm looking at this, right, is the... All right, sub-rant time. That's it. Buckle up. No, we don't need the a way, rant, do we? No, 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 no. A I, 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 little bit, little bit, little bit. Small rant. <laughs> the the way that submarines are implemented and, and the way that tier 10s are implemented into this game is, I would argue, largely based off of m more modern technology than what is currently in WoW. You have U4501, who will do 36 knots. You have... You know, Balao's going going mid thirties underwater. You have all of these sh submarines that have incredible amounts of mobility, have hard hitting torpedoes that they can launch and lock onto vessels. This was not something that a lot of 
subs or even a lot of torpedoes could do during the Second World War. These were not these are not vehicle statistics. These are not vehicle parameters that are applicable, I'd argue, to World War II. And players are having to play into these with World War II levels of uncertainty in terms of spotting and, and damage and, and attacks in terms of aircraft and in terms of you know all this other stuff. And it's very I don't understand why these subs are implemented this way. I they're it, you know, I understand that with the maps being 30 kilometers by 30 kilometers, somebody trundling around at 18 knots in a blow is is not a fun gameplay loop. I completely no, understand I that. I understand that too. But there there were other ways that they could have turned subs into those silent, you know, not very mobile killers that they were when they were submerged during the Second World War. They could have given them spawns further into the map. You know, they, they, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that they could have done that I think would have fit the mission profile of submarines a little bit better than everybody starts at the back of the map and we don't want to have the sub, you know, have the game be finished before the sub gets there. Because rightfully so, if, if I had a chance while playing submarine, a good chance to just not interact with the game, I wouldn't play submarine, you know? Oh, I'm going to set you a challenge now saying that for this uh, week. This week. But, he, he's a challenge it, for you. Yes. You can div up with two people, but the div must contain one CV and two subs. Okay. I'll do that. And, and see how many compliments you get. I will. I already get yelled at in game because I'm in <laughs> Bong Z. People call me a cheater. But, you know... Uh, and that's just kind of the end of my rant there, where we have post-war capabilities on these submarines playing into arguably World War II levels of technology. Yeah. And some of the cruisers at 10, like Des Moines, Worcester, even the high-end droids that we have, they, they, they lack the tools. They should have the tools, like having a hydro and a vampire that only sees a sub at two kilometers assured when he's deep is rubbish as well. It would make sense if the submarines were as blind as vessels are at those depths. But when the sub, like the 4501, can travel further away underwater than I can on the surface. And, and they can still spot. They have that submarine hydroacoustic Yep, even though that, 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 is, that is going to change. But um, Well, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm talking about my, you know current implications. And the other thing is, uh, I'm getting slightly back on my horse. It makes sense for submarines to have those types of spotting, you know, abilities. Do not get me wrong. However, um, newsflash, if you use a very large ping to detect an object and the return of sound waves, other people can hear that ping. You know, there's a reason you don't have subs going around in the modern day and even back during World War II banging around on active yes, sonar. correct. Because it, it, it is shooting off road flares where well, you are that, underwater. That's the thing. And the thing I hate is I get a ping on the minimap and screen for like 0.2 of a second. And, you know, it's it shows them the direction where the pings. But if they're traveling away, you could, I've seen it. Yeah, you don't know the direction. I've seen submarines that have done it like on my team when I'm dead and I'm watching them. They'll ping and they're a good distance even from that ping. Where, and they're sailing away at 30 knots. By the time ASW mm -hmm. comes in, they're out of range. And, and again, during that initial ping, even on that initial marker, yes, it marks where that submarine is when the ping went off. It does not give direction, does not give heading, does not give speeding, it doesn't give anything. 
So there's no way for you to adequately, I'd argue, engage submarines based off of those parameters, because by the time you have torpedoes coming at me or at you, you might be like, oh, hey, you know, he's bow into me. And then you launch your ASW in front of the ping and, oh, he's pinging now and he's, you know, 300 meters behind where my subs are, you know, where my depth charges are. Yep. I'll, I'll just say this to end this um, section. Like, when I, there's CVs and subs in game as a surface ship player. I only take specialized CV skills when on certain boats like Rochester or Kid, and I'm giving up with the CV. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, if they gave a captain skill that gave greater information on subs, like direction, all this when they pinged, I would take that skill on every boat, even if there were no mm-hmm. subs in that game, because the interaction between surface ships and submarines is pretty poor. It's not, we, like I said, it's modern submarines playing in a World War II ships in terms of detection. Correct. It's and not good. I, I know sometimes the feedback has been that we, we can guide, we can explain, we can show players how to interact with it, but the, you have to be in particular boats or situations. There's no generic things that you could do every game in every situation, and to be told that some games that you're just going to get outplayed by a, a, a ship because of the in-game mechanics is just poor. So that is it, not that is not the answer. Yeah. And um, it's it's a horrible. It, it, it's kind of like just you know, the, it, it's kind of like calling for an ambulance after you got into a car wreck, and the paramedics just show up and kind of laugh at you. That's kind of what it is. Oh yeah, with and, some that, of these and they reply, well, you know, you wouldn't have been in a car wreck if you weren't driving on the road. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, you shouldn't have hit that bollard. You know that that's where you know that's where your damage came so from. Then, it's like no, so it was then, the guy behind me or the guy in front of me brake checking me for two hour for two miles that you guys you know didn't do anything about. Yeah, and they're like, Doesn't nah, matter. you crashed. It's on you. Yeah, we, we will we will revisit this because this is coming out early next year. So this will be really really interesting. But we we got something else: the Kinakami <laughs> Exchange. So we had the exchange for Gascoigne, now we get the Kitakami exchange. We've all seen it in the armory. Um, it's uh, it's explained that it's for veteran players that have a lot of resources and time resources synced into the game. Um, I won't go through it. Clyde that Plays Live made a wonderful spreadsheet to see if you can afford it. I spent 1.9 million coal to get all 100 levels. So I own the Kitakami and all the special camos. Um, now let's just say she's a tier four hull at tier 10. She gets smoke, she gets heal, she gets underwhelming guns. I've had to get, I nearly gunboat a minotaur the other day. She only has HE shells, which makes it worse. Um, she gets five racks of four torpedoes per side, but they load like a submarine. So she becomes really potent mid to late game if you can let those torps load, but um, she's a strong, powerful ship in the right hands, but otherwise, I've I've killed a lot already. Um, thoughts, greedy? Um, it's it's interesting because the the way that the Kitakami played, and I think we briefly discussed this on stream. Uh, again, I do not own a Kitakami. I do not own anything from this event because I do. I, it, I, own, I own a Kitakami. Yes, yeah, I gathered by how you said that earlier. <laughs> um, I, I just so everybody else you know kind of knows where this is. I dumped all of my coal, all of my steel, all of my research bureau points, and a thousand days of premium in, and I only got 27% way through the event. I have no resources. 
I felt like I a, 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 a woman just commented that my gentleman sausage was not as big as other ones. I, I am <laughs> I've lost my man card. That oh, was okay. horrible, dude. You, you can have a simp card, brother. No, now I have to bang out all these snowflakes and and simp for uh, more Christmas crates so I can get steel so I can get this thing. But mm. um, I the Kitakami when it first came back out of testing and when it entered, you know, even when they announced that, that it was coming back, the first issue that I saw with it was you have a ship that is completely and utterly built around torpedo volume that is gimped in producing torpedo volume. That is correct. Um, That's why I say mid to late game because waiting those 40 seconds to load two or three launches. Well, counterpoint, if you have to wait and and get, you know, those good salvos mid to late game, you're not doing anything in the early game. No, you might get one. You're like actually doing nothing. Correct. You know, like you said, you might get one or two spreads off. Oh yeah. And then, you know, you can run out those 440 millimeter sap guns or whatever they are. You know, like you have no game impact until those torpedoes are loaded. Correct. And then, oh, you know, oh, I wait, you know, I waited five minutes. I got all, all 40 of my torpedo tube ready. This is going to be great. Oh, the, my, my target. Or well, your team's already half dead missed. as well. Yeah. Or your team's already dead. I, I just, it, 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 I'm going to catch some flack here. I, I don't think that it's worth the amount of resources that players are dumping into it. Yeah, I think it's a hundred percent a nostalgia pull because uh, uh, in the if it was the way that it was back in the day, even with a two minute reload on all of those torpedoes, I would say yes because again, then you're producing waves of torpedoes every two to three minutes. You know that's the whole point of this ship. But with the submarine individual loading mechanic and with it being sequential and not you know on you know at the same time not two launchers loading at once it's it is one launcher per side loading at a time you are you have to wait very long for your one trick to get ready and then there's still a decent chance that your one trick just doesn't land i think um uh, punk boy andy sent me something from i forgot who did it i'm not going to say the final figure but someone equated between premium time and what the other resources sometimes sell for for a monetary value when wargaming say you'll buy this you get this and this is worth like five us dollars or something they put the kitakami down for resources and everything they're also about a thousand us dollars yeah now i don't I mean, have i don't have those sources to prove it so I'm going to say so, that's I'm going to say that's unconfirmed source. Um, I, I, want I mean, I, I can give truly, you I can give you a truly. source right here. I, I'll, I'll math a source right now. How my, where is you, my calculator? Mind you, you get 360 days of premium at the moment at 12,000 doubloons, which is half price, which is 50 US dollars. So that's half price, and that's for, six levels. For well, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. 960 days of premium is 16. percent Mm-hmm. Granted, you are not locked into paying that. But if, if, those you, days if, of premium. You, if you bought them all at full price, which would have been twenty four thousand doubloons, that's a hundred bucks. That's already like two three hundred dollars US. It's it's a hundred bucks per, per year. for what three hundred and sixty five. Yep. So all right, so we're gonna so, we're say gonna, say two fifty so. say two fifty US dollars just for the premium time nine sixty.
we we can do roughly. You don't, you, don't, you don't need you don't need it. Well, yeah, but yeah. that that goes into it roughly two and a half times. So, and that's what? How much did you say that much? Two fifty US. Also, it's so, not not doing the discount rate that's at the moment. But if you bought it full price, it's a hundred US per. Yes. So if you bought it at full price and, and you use premium days, which again is incredibly inefficient and incredibly um you know janky in terms of using it for this event but it is arguably the only thing you can directly buy with doubloons or mm -hmm. with money uh, unless you count rb that is 660 dollars for 16 percent of the way through the pass that's the maximum uh, amount of days that you can give that is two tier sevens and four santa that's 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 a lot as I said, about a thousand US sounds about right. So, it is please, please, if you if you're short, if you're like forty or fifty percent, don't wail on Christmas crates for it. Um, it's only if you're maybe one or two stages short of getting the Kitakami that might be worth it then. But it, it's it's a strong boat at times. It's not always going to be a strong boat. It needs other ships to spot and tank for it, so it can do its its um, torpedo. Things you look, you can it can run away in front of BBs and torp like mad type thing, so it can be a strong boat in the right hands in the right situation. But overall, um, unless you uh, if you can afford it, grab it, use it, great. But if you can't, I don't don't wail for it. It's it's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of people are are saying, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to get it. In, in, in two years and, and again that that's the fomo yeah, the fear of but, missing out I, I, look is there really a fear of missing out anymore there, there's so much premium content in no this game. Why, yeah there, there's that's the other thing again if it was something even if actually no even if it was something like a smolensk in terms of of how broken it was on release i still don't think i can mentally justify throwing that much money at a boat granted yeah. there's a whole bunch of other avenues get kami so i don't want people to sit here and and think that i'm saying oh you know you have to spend thousands of dollars to get the kitakami no you can throw coal you can throw steel you can throw research bureau points and as we've discussed on the podcast before and i'll say it again coal and steel are completely saturated resources there there's people you know here walking around with over a hundred thousand steel you know those Crazy players, those crazy no lifers who no life the game have a hundred. Wait, how much steel do you have? Two hundred and twelve. Yeah, that's thousand. what I thought. So you know, th there's people running around like that, and I think that at the end of the day, this is a good event to skim resources off of people like that. Yes, because they had the same thing in World of Tanks where they release bonds, and then oh my god, it's really easy to grind bonds. We have everybody, you know, we now we have people running around with like two hundred bond vents and stabilizers and stuff, you know. Um, I understand skimming these premium resources off and maybe in, in the future moving to, to limit the earnings or the, maybe, hey, is, they do this, this is, annually and they... This is they... where they create the power gap, though. Like, it's a free-to-play game and this rewards players that have a bit of everything, that have put in time. Um, it, it'd be very hard, or not very hard, a lot harder for a free-to-play player to get the Kitakami than someone that's got yeah. premium and or has got like bought like the expanded battle passes and things like that. Well, that's why I I, I wanted to immediately front lead with do not wail for the, the Kitakami because I don't want somebody who's just getting into the game 
see this Kitakami, the ship that everybody's talking about, not do research on it, throw a whole bunch of money at the game to get the required resources, get it, get one shot by a Minotaur, and then uninstall the game and, and you know, try and charge back all those things with their credit card. That's why I kind of started off very, hey, you know, oh, it's, it's not good, don't wait for it. What, what I'm waiting for is Greeny, I've reinstalled Enlisted, I'm buying that special artillery tank for D-Day <sighs> on the German side, I'm going to... Um, farm down people running out of their um, boats on Normandy. <laughs> I reinstalled Enlisted recently, got killed by a Korean hacker and reminded why I uninstalled Enlisted. Yeah, look, that, that's why I uninstalled it. Their their ability to stop hacks is abysmal. And when, when you, mm. like, I don't want to invest time and, and money into a game where that is so blatantly abused, but we'll... Yeah. that's another thing it's a different game different, different game. podcast different podcast we have an enlisted podcast <laughs> no we don't um, <laughs> so we're doing a boat giveaway as we announced earlier on yes for those of you who missed it at the beginning which i don't even know why i'm reiterating this because if you're listening to this part of the podcast you heard it before wargaming has decided to give uh us because we are technically cc sponsored uh, or a CC channel channel. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. We have so been... we'll say thank you to Wargaming for that. Yes. So that, that is something I was going to say. Thank you very much to Wargaming for providing us with these ships to give away. So in the Christmas spirit, we have a silly wangy, a kid, a Rochester, a Alabama, a Kaga, the coveted FR 25, Beautiful boat. It's, it's, been, it's been buffed. It's been buffed. Yes. Now, this being the Salt Ships and Scuttlebutt podcast and Griefer and I being funny individuals, we have made categories. Griefer, I think that we just list out the categories and yeah, have which ship belongs so, to which categories so, be So to, to win the ship, so let, let, let's just put these in rules. Um, we're going to give people to the 24th of December, midnight Eastern time. So you've got basically till Christmas Day because um, we can collate this and then send it off to Ouija. Uh, prizes will take a week or two. It'll be a Christmas shutdown. So they will come to your accounts eventually. Um, but the way we're going to award the winners is is people have to submit jokes or memes as entries. So we've got a theme for each of the boats that we've done. So it could it could be a written joke. Um, you can submit it via Discord in my Discord. You can DM Captain Green or myself. We've got an email that I will be checking daily. Um, so th there will be lots of ways to enter and you can enter multiple times because we've got different themes so i'll start off um if greeny would like to go through some of those i would uh, i was actually thinking and I, and I was gonna mention this earlier but i forgot but i remembered now i think what we could do is make a channel on either the bonks discord or your discord add, add them to with both. all of the jokes yeah so um you know, we we can put even if you DM it to us on Discord. If you're not on those Discord, you email it to us. We can yep. put your name. We can put your joke. We can put your meme. We can put whatever. So, as I said, we have different categories for different ships. So, we have um, actually. You want to know what? No, we're gonna. I think we. I think we tell the the joke and the ship that you will get from that category. Okay. So, if you would like the USS Kid, you will have to provide us with a kid-friendly joke 
or jokes that your kids tell. Oh, I, I can give an example because I asked my daughter for a kid-friendly joke this morning and um, yeah, how does it go? I've got to talk in the Santa's voice. You're Mrs. Claus. What is the weather going to be on Christmas Eve? I don't know, dearie. What is it going to be? It's going to be reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> Jokes along those lines. For the USS kids. <laughs> for, the, for the kid. Now, I know, I think Big Bong's listens to this, right? I don't know, but I'll, I'll, I'll ping him. I'll ping him. Because this is Big Bong's category. To win an Alabama, you have to make jokes about football. Or the Alabama football football team in particular. Yeah. Or the Alabama football team in particular. Or uh, cousin fraternization jokes. (laughs) I think that that is is very good. Oh, yes. Um, Jokes or memes. Clean memes. Clean memes. Yeah. Um, For the Kaga... We want highbrow jokes, memes, any anything you think you know you could feel comfortable saying in in, in the company of high members of society, you know, high flying members. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have a th- those are the main categories. Now we have a few subcategories here for the worst Joker meme that we get. And again, this is something that Griefer and I will um, discuss. Yes. We'll debate for the worst one. You will get a silly wangy. Oh, we, I forgot to add um, the Rochester. <laughs> We've got one. We, 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 need a, we need one for the Rochester. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Um, uh, the best joke or meme in general as well. Yes, for the Rochester, because it's, it's the best boat. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, we run across one that is um, just a, an all-around fan favorite, but not quite a winner, uh, you will get an FR twenty five because you know you're you're, you're, you're you're a winner, but you're not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're a winner, but you're not quite there. Um, and a runner up to that will get three days of premium, and we will be giving away a random day of premium because we have as, an as, a, of as, a, as a booby prize. Someone's randomly going to get one day of premium. Yep. <laughs> So let me let me reiterate that we've we've got a few boats. We've got the silly wangy kid Rochester Alabama Carga FR twenty five. So we need a joke or a meme, picture meme. So you can there's plenty of ways. I'll, I'll create the channels in my Discord a little bit later, and I'll put these categories up there so people will be able to see what they have to enter. So yeah, um, plenty of ways to do it. We've got to the twenty fourth of December midnight Eastern time. So you've got you've got. You'll have about a week from this when this is um, issued, so plenty of time, and uh, hopefully we get some good entries. It, it is Christmas. We're trying to give stuff away, so hopefully it doesn't have to be funny jokes. It's just um, it could be festive-related, whatever you like. Um, but, yeah, hopefully good luck to those entries, and we'll be hopefully sharing some of those ones next week. Yes. that 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 is going to be good. We... Once again, thank you very much to Wargaming for uh, giving us these ships to give out. And we'd like to, uh, on a serious note, we'd like to thank everybody who listened to the podcast throughout the year. Yes. Um, it's very nice. 
I got a lot of pictures from people in their, uh, with us in their Spotify wrapped. Um, that does mean a lot to myself and Griefer. Um, contrary to popular belief, we do not just slap something together and then, um, you know, just get up, record, then leave. There's editing. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that we do, and it is very much a labor of love. Occasional um, editing. If there's swear words from Bruni, I'll leave them in. Yeah. But, you know, like me cutting audio together and, you know, stuff like that, or uh, cutting in bits, um, cutting in the intro song, which I, now that I think about it, forgot to do last week again because I have three collective brain cells. I, I thought about that as well, but I'm going to leave that till I... I've got the I've got it on the stream deck because they've changed the way we upload. Yeah. So we, we've lost our I can't upload the theme song in front of the podcast, but I'm gonna cut that in via a stream deck um going forward. But um so we you know we 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 do genuinely appreciate the, the wondrous community that has sprung up around this podcast. Um even communists like Punk Boy Andy from Canada and, and you know the, the, the Europeans that have invaded my dms it genuinely does mean uh a lot that we we have people who you know what hey why isn't the podcast out or hey you know th- this was going in the podcast you know you, you should have talked about this um it, it does mean a lot and to segue from that i ran into while i was knocking off snowflakes i ran into a small cube and a stay bloodthirsty in a um Combined, what what is it? Combined arms with what's the mismatch tier mode? Uh, asymmetric uh, battle. Asymmetric. I ran into them while doing some asymmetric, and they actually had uh, asked me to talk about the HMAS vampire for this week's history section. Now I am going out on a limb here. I will admit, assuming that they mean the HMAS vampire, because I just got told to talk about vampire, and my Dracula lore is not. As comprehensive as my ship lore, so I'm gonna. You're, you're, you're a Warhammer weeb. You should be into all things. Um, Why can I can talk about the Vlad von Karstein until the sun explodes? But uh, I, I assume they meant in game. But yeah, so that is actually we can segue into the into the history here. Unless you have something you'd like to say. No, I like vampires. She's a good Commonwealth vessel in a game. In game, she's. Um, before we go through a bit of her history in-game, she's got powerful guns. She's got a good five-kilometer hydro crawling smoke. She has really nice torpedoes. They go out to 12Ks, unlike the Daring's at 10K. So she only gets one rack, though. But she has enough unique ability that she, in my opinion, is one of the stronger ships to purchase from the Research Bureau and well worth that purchase. Yes. Uh, I don't have one. I'm working my way towards one, but I've heard nothing but good things about the vampire. Uh, Whack, one of the members of Z, talks about it a whole bunch, very much enjoys it. They watch. They, they, they both talk a, uh, a lot about it. They enjoy it. Um, the HMAS vampire is a f- actually a few firsts for Australia in terms of both construction and in terms of... Um, her history. She is actually one of the three Australian-built Daring classes, which is awesome because it is one of the first ships that is for the Royal Australian Navy, which I, I think it was still at the time, right? Yeah, we, no, we're still the Royal Australian Navy. 
Okay. I just wanted to double check. I, I with, with no, Ran, I with Ran. I, I just don't keep track of side characters really, but that, that's good. Ooh, are you calling us Ooh. NPC? Yeah, <laughs> you guys are NPCs in America's world. <laughs> mm, I'll remember but, that next time you want Tim Tams. God, I was just going to ask about that after. No, but circling back to the vampire, she is one of the three Australian-built darings. Like I was saying, this is very unique, and this is a strong, this is a proud moment in Australian shipbuilding history because up until that point, the vast majority of the Royal Australian Navy vessels were built in England by English hands and then given to Australia. And Australia typically had to pay hands over fists for them in terms of money. So after the war, Australia decided, hey, we are not just, you know, a, a country of colonies anymore. We, we have an industrial base. We, we can support and build ships. So we would like just the plans to build these dairings so we can build them here, expand our shipbuilding here, and um, introduce a few other concepts such as welding and, and rolling and pressing steel. Um, cash-strapped England, being incredibly poor after World War II, went, okay, just pay us you know, the, the royalties. And Australia went, okay. So they ended up building three dairings at the Cockatoo Island Dockyard between 1952 and 59. Um, she was also commissioned into the Wren uh, a day after completion, which is a little unique. They usually have shakedown cruises. They usually have a whole bunch of other stuff. But uh, this this one, they had a quick turnaround on it. Um, she was also one of the first all-welded ships being built in Australia because I guess Australia uh, very much enjoyed rivets. We're riveting. Yes, you're a riveting troop of, uh, of, of people. Um, being an Australian naval vessel, she was incredibly active, put, on a, whole, put a whole bunch of miles on the odometer. Um, she was regularly deployed to Southeast Asia. Um, that I think during, um, Vietnam, stuff like that. Um, I think a little bit of Korea. I don't know. I might have my years mixed up. Um, did a lot of troop transport, did a lot of troop escorting. Um, in 1977, the destroyer was assigned to escort the Royal Yacht HMY Britannia during the Queen's visit to Australia. Uh, and then in the 80s, she was reclassified as a training ship. And then in 86, she was decommissioned and presented to the Australian National Maritime Museum <gasps> for preservation as a museum ship and is the current largest museum-owned object on display in Australia. A um, little bit about that, because that's actually pretty interesting as well. She's, I think you've been on her, right? No, I planned to, and I got COVID. I was going to go with Sarah. So we had, we had a lot of other listeners that attended, and at the time, um, fellow CC at the time, Dobby Mate, um, he took the tour over because, unfortunately, I was stricken and unwell, which was a shame. I would have loved, we, we had booked, we even had a guided tour. They were unlocking sections of the ship that they don't normally open to the general public, so I was gutted that we didn't get to see that. That is, that's rough. Um a lot of 
the, these ships have a lot more rooms than what's typically on display. And those are, that's usually where the cool stuff is. So mm. I can definitely understand why you'd feel gutted on that. Um, but also around there is an Oberon, which is actually my favorite type of submarine, conventionally powered submarine, I, I, I should say. Um, but the, the Oberon is the HMAS Onslow, which is one of the six Oberons operated by the Royal Australian Navy. And I don't know, it was named after some town and then some famous British person because it's a British built ship. Um, but that's cool. And then the replica of the HMS Endeavor, which I don't know if a lot of people here, a lot of these steel ships are what people think of when they think of museum ships. Being from New England, I frequented the USS Constitution. Wooden museum ships are incredible. Uh, they're, they're time machines back to a completely different age of naval exploration, naval shipbuilding, and naval life. They are incredible. So the fact that you have a, a submarine, a incredibly well-preserved daring, and um, a replica, even if it is just a replica of HMS Endeavor, beautiful little museum. So that is... That, that's kind of the little 411 on that area. There was actually, circling back to the um, vampire, she also was a few firsts within the Australian Navy as she was the first to, I guess, have air conditioning. Hey, we, which, we, we build them tough in Australia. We don't need these simpy air conditioning build, prior to that. You build them dehydrated, I guess, you know? I've been in one of our corvettes that served. We, we had hundreds of corvettes that served through the Second World War. And my God, these got things they going cook. through. They cook. All, all iron, metal, hull. Like, I've been in it at dock, and you're, un, you're underground with no machinery running, and you're sweating like a pig just traversing around this there, boat. There's just no circulation of air. Ever, ever, and the, the, the warm hull and even the warm water around the ship just warms up the air in the ship. And you just, it just, you're, it feels like you're walking around in soup. It's not good. Um, I had that on a few of, uh, I, I spent a lot of time on lobster boats and I've spent a few time on some larger vessels. And on the larger vessels, you really, really, really run into situations like that because a lot of these vessels are large enough to you know have interior spaces and have them be incredibly well heated um but they are not large enough to have comprehensive ventilation systems so mm. you know you get the worst of both worlds well the ship's, the, desi- the ship's designed for combat and its mission mm. rather than comfort oh 100 percent um especially during this era the other thing that uh, i'll i'll add quickly here is it was the same for tanks the introduction of a lot of modern day computers, even the older computers with vacuum tubes and such, the only reason um, air conditioning was installed on tanks, and the same reason why it was only installed in ships relatively recently in terms of naval construction, was to keep those electronics cold. Mm-hmm. Wasn't even for the crew. <laughs> Shh, don't, don't tell the crew that, but yeah. She, I won't. She, I she, won't. she was one of our first vessels built that had air conditioning. <laughs> but yeah, the the Daring's started off at 2,600 tons during their uh, initial build run. Um, I'm gonna, I'm going to call them blocks because that's what the Navy does. Um, 
but the the, the original blocks were 2600 tons the australians were the australian versions were a third generation which started off at 2800 tons and then increased to 3600 tons at full load so these were beefy ships in terms of destroyers these were large heavy displacing uh, destroyers they were very large 120 meters long 13 meters wide and they pulled about four meters of water and when the ship was fully loaded that jumped up to almost five meters um the ship was propelled by two foster wait isn't that a beer company fosters yeah well foster fosters i i live there's a street i shouldn't say it but um foster is a common name i see but it had two um foster wheel foster wheeler boilers that dumped steam into two English electric geared turbines, which produced almost 60,000 shaft horsepower. Um, that meant that the ship could clip around at over 30 knots and had a roughly 7,000 kilometer range at 20 knots. These were very, very large, very, very well put together destroyers in terms of their capabilities, and in terms of their tonnage. Gone are the days of building destroyers that are just stable enough to operate in the open ocean with just enough fuel to go up the, you know, up the coast. We are fully moving into the modern day era of trans-ocean uh, navies becoming, or trans-ocean capabilities in navies becoming standard. Yep. Now, the ship main armament consisted of six of the four and a half inch Mark V guns. Those are the little, 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 in terms of World of Warships, 114 millimeter guns um, with two forward, one super firing, and one aft. Those were incredibly well put together weapon systems. They had very high rates of fire. They had um, anti-aircraft capabilities. These were very good guns. Um, they did not have shells that had the same weight and, you know, in turn, the same explosive mass as the American five-inch guns, but they could fire a little over 30% faster than the American five-inch guns. These were very, very good guns. A lot of people think that, you know, the larger gun is just going to inherently be better, um, but no, the, 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 the Mark V very much shows that, that is not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, these were also hydraulic mounts, which meant quick turning, easy tracking for aircraft and stuff. It's not the Japanese still making hand crank mounts in the, in the 40s. Um, to back that up, there was six Bofors, two singles, and two twins, and a whole bunch of 50 cals, because that's something that really no Navy could drop in terms of putting 50 cals on ships, even when the 20 millimeters were around. Um, the torpedo tubes were five of the 533 millimeter, or 21-inch, Mark IV Pentad mounts, um, just kind of mill standard torpedoes for post-war and uh, late World War II. Um, for anti-submarine warfare, a limbo anti-submarine mine was carried. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a limbo is, um, you've definitely seen one because it surprises every single person who uses it in World of Warships. We it it's it's a it's it's firing off um uh, fireworks that goes so high mm-hmm. into the air goes very very high up fi- high arcing mines 
Um, but yeah, it is a high launching anti-submarine system. Uh, unfortunately, two of the Bofors mounts, the torpedo launcher and the mortar, were removed during various refits, and a CCAT system was uh, installed. And the CCAT was a program made by Britain after the Second World War when surface-to-air missiles became, or when it became clear that surface-to-air missiles were the future. And the British went around all of their naval ships, saw the amount of 40-millimeter Bofors mounts, and designed a missile system that could be easily swapped out for a 40-millimeter system. Um, and they came up with the CCAT. It's... A very unique way to approach refitting ships, transitioning from the gun age to the missile age. A lot of ships had to go through incredibly comprehensive, incredibly expensive, and incredibly hull-changing refits to accommodate missile systems. So the fact that Britain, you know, hobo-welded basically surface-to-air missiles onto Bofors mounts is pretty unique in terms of the naval world, and it is awesome. Um, with the submarine, primarily, um, or with the with the submarine, with the destroyer, still maintaining its potent anti-submarine capabilities, um, it ended up being fitted with a Type 170 attack sonar, a Type 174 search, and a Type 185 submarine detection sonar. Um, the original Flyping Three. Uh, fire control directors were ended up getting replaced by two M22 units later in the career in the 70s, and the air warning radar was replaced during the 70s as well. Now, um, just to jump ahead of something quickly here, we're almost done. I'm sorry, I know I'm monologuing. I That's can tell Grifter is pounding his hands on his desk. No, no, um, no. If I was so, if I was trying to get your attention, I'd I'd be pinging you nonstop. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to get through this quickly because this is a very interesting ship. Hmm. Um, the vampire, like I said, was fitting with, fitted with three different types of sonar. For those of you who don't know, unlike in World of Warships, different sonars accomplished different tasks. Um, a ship will, a modern day naval ship will have upwards of five different types of sonar on a vessel for everything from sounding to detecting targets. Um, the search sonar, the submarine sonar, and the um, attack sonar are all they all operate on different frequencies, they all have different ranges, they all have different projection points, so all of them in theory can be used within close proximity to each other in terms of uh, activation. You know, you, you can flip between them pretty well. In practice, sound waves moving through water are incredibly uh, sound likes to reflect a lot when it's in water. Um, that's how, for instance, back to the uh, what was the what was the name of that company that sent the sub down to the Titanic? Oh, um, the the Titan. No, that was the type yes. of that was the type of that was the vessel type. Ocean Gate. Ocean, Ocean Gate. Yeah. Ocean yeah. So a lot of people were surprised that the U.S. Navy was able to detect the crunching of the ocean of the titan from 500 miles away when they don't really take into consideration the effect 
or how easily sound waves can move through water molecules. Um, and, and, and sound can be heard from hundreds of miles away uh, underwater. So to have, you know, to, to go quickly from the attack to the search sonar is a little bit of a stretch, but um, it is, uh, they, they were all designed to be, op- that they could be operated quickly and, and swap between diff- uh, quickly. Um, fun fact recently about sonar, if you are near it underwater, you will be horrendously injured. Uh, I don't know if you follow naval news as much as I do. Maybe not um, as much you as actually, I do. You, you probably know about this. There was an Australian naval vessel that had its prop. Um, yes, I know about that one. Yeah, it got a fishing net in there, and yep. a Chinese destroyer rolled up next to it, and being a Chinese vessel... Uh, they just activated their search sonar and almost killed three divers. And you're probably thinking I'm over exaggerating, but I'm I'm really not. The you know sound banging out at 140 decibels underwater can and will just cause bleeding. It will damage eyes. It will damage ears. It will damage noses. It will damage human body horrendously. Um, but yeah, the sonars are incredibly interesting. I could talk for hours about sonars. I might set aside an episode later to be the sonar special, the, the sonar episode. I'll just have the pinging. Um, I'll just have uh, the pinging sound effect going. <laughs> yes. Now only do that. Oh, Hey, when you do the bonks new year celebration, make sure you've got a, um, the sonar pinging every time Ad- Eddie talks just to trigger him. <laughs> I will. I will. Um, oh, yeah. The, the no. Oh, you still got more, sir? I was going to go through a little bit, but it was kind of the uh, the ins and outs, her doing... Well, I, I can I can spark note it. I, I was going to uh, say, the, the last thing I wanted to mention about the um, a vampire, she only earned one battle honor herself for the Malaysia campaign mm. in 64-66. She yep. did inherit... Um, because she... <clears throat> how to word this? Because we, we... The Australian Navy was based upon the UK Navy, so she inherited battle honours from the first um, HMAS Vampire D68, which is um, the one in-game at Tier 3. So she got those Calabria, Libya, Greece, Crete, Indian Indian Ocean, those ones from 1940 to 40. Oh, is it the same one? HMAS Vampire. Uh, yeah, she was sunk off um, Ceylon in 1942, the original one. That is correct. And then she got Malaysia. And she was even awarded the um, Battle Honor for a British submarine that was called HMAS or HMS Vampire as well, because the way the British did it, any ship with the same name, they got the previous Battle Honors. But that is no longer available the way they do Australian Navy. So if we ever get another HMAS Vampire, she will not carry any of these honors going forward. But yeah, she she had a, a lot of stuff that she had to do that she uh, took part in in that whole neck of the woods. There, there was a lot of stuff, like you said, in um, uh, what's what's that? What's that island? Um, Ceylon, Sri Lanka. Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff over there. Did some troop runs up to Vietnam. Uh, there, there was a lot of shuttling around and, and presence that that this ship uh, did. It, it, it is a storied ship. I know a lot of people don't think that ships outside of 
um, a lot of the major navies like Russia or well the Soviet Union for this times time frame um British the American just, even just the as French context they- like we retired out the vampire in the mid 80s the Peruvian navy had a daring class destroyer in active service until 2007 yeah the these ships and, and these navies put in a lot of work that uh, is not as thoroughly documented or as thoroughly known as as a lot of those larger navies um and, and that also goes for south america um a lot of people you you can tell who is into naval history in terms of what they know about stuff outside of those major navies um you know, people who are just kind of in it for the culture will talk about Ticonderogas and, and we'll talk about Forestalls and we'll talk about all these different stuff. But um, you'll know that you have somebody who's incredibly interested in naval history when they start talking to you about ships like the Vampire, like the Belgrano, stuff like that. Um, and, and this ship has an incredible history. You know what's really funny, and I'll end mm. this first. Even though we're talking about D11, the vampire, the D08 Vendetta was laid three years before the vampire was completed. Two years before the vampire, oh, sorry, launched in 1954. The vampire was um, 1956, but the mm. Vendetta was not commissioned and accepted into service till 58. Yeah, she came just before yeah, the vampire. The Vendetta was first. Sorry, what's the Voyager? Mm-hmm. Voyager was. Oh, all these dates are interesting. Uh, the Vampire was the last. Voyager was first, <laughs> and Vendetta, then a Vampire. Yeah, there was, uh, I think I said at the beginning, three of these darings were made yep. down in Australia, and there were the three Vs. No, we, at least we can build them when we can, when we have to, but mm-hmm. um, nope. I can say thank you, Greeny, for recording this extra early hour. I appreciate that. You can go back now to eat more of your um, dinner. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so send in your entries. We want to give away these boats, um, courtesy of Ouija. So please send us in these jokes or memes. And we'll set up those um, Discord channels and monitor communications from then. So till next week. Now, I think we will... Um, let's discuss it now live. You're right to do a podcast next weekend. I know it is going to be leading into Christmas weekend, but I'm not sure of your availability, sir. Oh, yeah, I, I will I will be able to. What When will it be? It will be the... It'll be the 23rd for you, 24th for me. Yeah, no, I can do the 23rd. Right, so we'll do a podcast next week, um, and we might, and then we'll discuss if we're going to do one between Christmas and New Year's, and we'll see how we go from there. Yeah. Right. Everyone, take care. Grind away with all your resources for stealing coal, and um, we'll see you in the game. See ya.